You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Ephesians chapter number 6 and verse number 14, we'll read down to verse number 18. The Bible says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication, for all saints. Amen. You may be seated. I was not sure I wanted to ask this question, but I think I'll step out in faith and ask this question. But how many of you have started? Now, I'm not saying you finished. I'm not saying you're making a lot of progress, but how many of you have started working on trying to memorize some of these verses? Good. I'm seeing some hands. Oh, wonderful. Now, how many of you, since I just put you on the spot, you might work on it this week. So if I ask next week, you got to raise your hand. Let me see. How many go work on it this week? All right. Okay, good. Okay, put your hands down. How many of you think, I'm not going to ask you to do it, but how many of you think you already got most of these verses memorized? We've got a few like that. Okay, good. And uh, I hope you'll work on Ephesians 6 verses 10 through 18 as we go through our series on the armor of God. We started the first week of the series. We talked about being strong in the Lord. Then we talked about two weeks ago, the wiles of the devil. You know, do you know why the devil has to use tricks and deceit? Because he's already been defeated. And our God is more powerful. Satan cannot attack with power because he doesn't have enough power. So Satan has to try to deceive. And Satan wants to fool you. He wants to lead you astray into believing a lie. And so we talked about that two weeks ago. And then last Sunday, we talked about standing. Sometimes when you take a stand for God, you're going to look around and realize, oh my, I might be all alone. But even when you feel like you're standing alone, I'm glad that we have somebody that is standing with us, Jesus Christ, who will never leave us, never forsake us. Today, I want you to look at verse 14. We're going to look at the first piece of the armor. And I believe this morning will probably be more teaching than preaching. But I believe we must understand what the armor of God is and what we must do to put it on. It says in verse 14, stand therefore. So we're talking about standing and fighting and and, and standing against the devil. Well, if we're going to stand... We must have, the Bible says, our loins girt about with truth. Now, I think we understand in that phrase, I think we understand what the truth is, and we'll talk about that. But we don't use that expression today, having your loins girt about with truth. And I want to take a few moments this morning, and I want to try to teach and preach the importance of this subject. Lord, help us. We pray we need you. I pray that you'd open our eyes, and I pray that we would understand. I pray that we would receive your word. I pray that we would put it into practice. And I pray we would be reminded this morning that we are in a battle. 
And I pray that we would realize the seriousness and I pray we would realize the urgency of the matter at hand. Lord, help us to be prepared to fight against the world, the flesh, and the devil. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. When I was in high school, I went to a, had the privilege to go to a Christian school. My dad was a Christian school teacher uh, for 20 years. He was a Sunday school teacher for really all of that time, 20 years. And uh, he was a soccer coach uh, for our school team. And he didn't coach for 20 years, but pretty close. And he had some good teams, and uh, he always just had a good rapport, uh, I felt like, with the team. I had the opportunity for a few years to play on my dad's team. We had this thing we would do before every game. You know how uh, a team would get in a huddle, you know, and, you know, one, two, three, let's go, or whatever. Well, we'd get into that huddle on a, uh, before the soccer games, and we would sing a song. Now, I'm sure some of the other teams thought, those guys have lost their minds. You know, what are they doing singing a song? You know, that's kind of a wimpy thing to do or whatever. But we would sing this song and we would sing, uh, I am on the soccer field for my Lord. I am on the soccer field for my Lord. And I promised him that I surely would serve him till I died. Now I'm on the soccer field for my Lord. Well, that's not the way the song originally was intended. It was originally intended, I am on the battlefield for my Lord. And I want to tell you this morning, we're on a battlefield. Some Christians think it's a playground, but I want to remind you, it's a battleground. Lester Roloff said it like this, it's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation room. It's a fight and not a game. And we are in a battle. And I would, be, I would be negligent this morning to send you out into a battle without telling you how important it is to be prepared and to be ready for the battle. Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Paul wrote again to Timothy, he said, fight the good fight of faith and we are in a battle. Satan is fighting against the truth, but you and I, we have the truth. We have the most powerful weapon in all the world. We've got the Word of God, and we must have our loins, the Bible says, gird about with truth. The word gird, G-I-R-D, is found throughout the Bible, and it has several definitions. One, it means to be prepared for action, to be ready. The children of Israel were eating the Passover as they were ready to exit Egypt. And God told them in Exodus 12, he said, And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded and your shoes on your feet and your staff in your hand. I don't know how it is in your home, but for my wife and I with small children, it seems like we never move quickly when it's time to leave. It seems like the last... 15 minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes is, all right, everybody get your shoes. We don't know where our shoes are. Well, where did you take them off when you got in? And let's go get them. And then they'll bring the shoes. And then, all right, we got to get your shoes on. We got to get your shoes tied. And now it's winter. So now we got to get the winter coats, right? And get a jacket and all that stuff. And it seems like it takes a while to get ready sometimes. Any other parents relate to that? You know what I'm talking about? I remember before we had children, I remember my wife and I, we just walk out the door, like, let's go. And we were out the door. And then when we had Lacey and Savannah, the twins, it was like, oh my, 
No such thing as just walking out the door. You got to have diaper bags and bottles and diapers and wet wipes and uh, uh, carriers and car seats and coats and a change of clothes and all that. But, but the, the writer here, Paul, is saying you need to be girded. You need to be ready for action with the truth. The word gird, it means to be encircled or surrounded, much like a belt. And the, the armor, the, the belt is what held the pieces of armor together. The belt that would circle around a soldier, that's where the sword would be kept. That's where the weapon would be secured. And Paul is saying, have your loins gird about, be surrounded, be encircled with the truth. But then the word gird also means to be fast or to be secure. When you're putting on a belt, you've got to make sure that belt is secure. When you're putting on your armor, you've got to make sure the armor is secure. In Bible days, people wore robes that would be flowing and that would be long and uh, they would wear those robes and so those robes if they were getting ready to run or if they were getting ready to do some physical work or getting ready to go into battle they would have to get those robes tucked into the belt and to have those robes secured so that they would not be tripped up so that they would not be tangled up as they were trying to move about freely well Paul says having your loins girt about with truth. You've got to be prepared. You've got to be ready. Job 38, God told Job, he said, gird up now thy loins like a man. He said, Job, you better be ready. There's some things you're going to face and you're going to have to be prepared and you're going to have to be able to handle those things. Proverbs 31, verse 17. The Bible says about the virtuous woman, listen to this, she girded, girdeth her loins with strength. The virtuous woman, she was prepared. She was ready. Uh, she was able to do the tasks at hand because of preparation. The Bible says in Luke 12, let your loins be girded about and your lights burning, speaking of being ready for the return of Jesus Christ. Now we sang it this morning, but Jesus is coming again and we've got to be ready. Did you know that when that trumpet sounds, you're not going to have 24 hours to get your house in order? You're not going to have seven days to get things ready. When that trumpet sounds and Jesus comes back, you better be ready because we are out of here if you know the Lord. You say, what if I don't know the Lord? If you don't know the Lord when that trumpet sounds, you're going to be down here. And you're going to be on this earth for seven years of tribulation. And can I tell you, the seven years of tribulation will be worse than anything that's ever taken place on planet Earth, but that will be nothing compared to an eternity in hell. And I want to tell you, you better be ready. If you're not saved today, if you're listening on the radio or you're watching this service or if you're in this auditorium and you do not know Christ, you better be ready because Jesus is coming back. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober. What Peter is writing to the Christians is he's saying, you better make sure that your mindset is ready. You better make sure that your thoughts are right. You better make sure that mentally, that psychologically you are prepared for what you are going to face. The girdle or the belt was used to hold the armor, but the belt 
was also used to secure the weapon. Could you imagine for a soldier while they were traveling, it'd be foolish to have to carry that sword everywhere. So they would put that sword in a sheath or they would put that sword secured to their belt so that they could have mobility and have hands accessible for other things. Can I tell you, we have our sword. The Bible says in verse 17, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And if you're going to go into battle, you better take the weapon with you. You better be prepared. We must stand, the Bible says, having our loins girt about with truth. Martin Luther was standing against the Roman Catholic Church. He was called to the council there in the, the city of Worms. And he was called there and uh, he had everybody against him. They said that that room was just packed wall to wall. They said there were people pressing around on every side and Martin Luther was standing against the powers of the church and all the leaders of the day and all the, uh, the political figures of the day. And Martin Luther said this. He said, unless I am convinced by the testimony of scriptures and by clear reason, for I do not trust in the Pope or the councils alone, since it is well known that they have often erred and contradicted themselves, I am bound by the scriptures, Martin Luther said. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and I will not retract anything since it is neither safe nor right to go against conscience. May God help me. He summarized by saying, here I stand. I cannot do otherwise. God help me. Amen. Can I tell you, there's some stands that we're going to have to take. There's going to be some positions that we're going to have to take, and we better make sure that our position is taken on the truth of the Word of God. Let me give you a few thoughts quickly this morning. Number one, standing on the truth. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, can I tell you, it's not the Baptist way that gets you to heaven. That would have been a good place for a few more amens. It's not the Baptist way that gets you to heaven. It's not the Catholic way that gets you to heaven. It's not the Lutheran way. It's not the uh, Presbyterian way. It's not, the, it's not the, the way that you came up with. It's not your idea. It's not your experience. It's Jesus. He's the only way. Satan wants to send people to hell. Would you agree with that? How many of you think Satan wants to send people to hell? You better believe he does. So here's what Satan does. He puts up a big billboard and there's flames and there's screams and there's pictures of demons and there's weeping and wailing and Satan says, hey, come get some of this. It's not what he does. You know what Satan does? You know how he sends people to hell? He says, be a good, good neighbor. Go to church. Get your name on a roll somewhere. Make sure you get dunked in a baptistry somewhere. Make sure that you're really nice to the, to the people that live around you and, and make sure that you are polite and make sure you do good things for people. And Satan's lie is that if you do some good things for people, you are going to heaven. I got news for you. That's a lie from Satan. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. 
The Bible says it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but it's according to his mercy that he saved us. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, we must stand on the truth that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And if you're here in this auditorium and you're listening today and you're not sure that you're going to heaven, Satan wants you to think that you're okay. Satan wants you to think that you don't have to worry about it. It'll all work out in the end. I got news for you. You do need to worry about it. And if you're not sure you're going to heaven, I hope you don't sleep. And I hope you don't have any peace. And I hope you don't have any rest until you come to the realization that you are a sinner. And that you can't get to heaven apart from Jesus Christ. He is the only way. We must stand on the truth. Religion has confused so many people. Being a good person, oh, it's all going to work out. No, it doesn't all work out unless you get it settled with Jesus. What is truth? The Bible says, having your loins girt about with truth, Satan is fighting against the truth. How come? Because our God, Deuteronomy 32, is called the God of truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. The Bible is the word of truth. The church is the pillar and ground of the truth. The Christian life is the way or the walk of truth. Our worship is done in spirit and in truth. And Satan is against everything and anything that is truth. We have the way of truth, Jesus. We have the word of God, the scriptures. This is our weapon to fight against the lies and the deceit of the devil. Truth is not subjective. Truth is settled. Truth is not relative. Truth is settled. If this book is true today, and if this book was true a hundred years ago, and if the word of God was for, has been forever settled in heaven, I got news for you, it always has been and it always will be true. That's not the case in 2021 in the world we live in. It seems like facts are changing. It seems like truth is always changing. By the way, truth doesn't change, but that's what they'll lead you to believe. You read something on the internet, or you read something in the newspaper, or you watch something on the news, and I want to tell you, it may or may not be true. And honestly, sometimes it's hard to know what is true. How many of you feel like you're suspicious now about everything you read? Like, is this even true? I don't know. But I know this, when I open the pages of Scripture, I know it's true. I know it always has been. I know it always will be because this is the word of truth. In the early service, I was using this as an illustration and uh, I was teasing Brother Watts. He, he was at the early service and he was singing in the choir, but I, I, I made this statement. I said, now, let me explain. One plus one equals, and what is the correct answer? Two. Well, I had Brother Watts sitting right back here, right behind where Brother uh, Mike is sitting. And Brother Watts, he said, three. Being silly, you know, just being funny. And I said, now, Brother Watts, I said, you helped me on that because here's, here's where we're going. The truth is one plus one equals two. But what happens if somebody tries to convince you that one plus one equals three? And what happens if they do convince you 
That doesn't affect the answer for just that one problem. That will affect every math problem you do for the rest of your life. That will affect other areas of your life. And that's what Satan is trying to do. He's trying to tell you that this book is not true. One plus one does not equal two. He's trying to get you off on that because if he can get you away from the Bible, he can get you in every area. He can get you in every aspect of life. Can I tell you, we must get back to the truth. We must know what the truth is. I'm going to be talking more about this in the next month or two, but in 2022, there are some things we're going to do in this church that I want to make sure that every person who attends Victory Baptist Church, I want to make sure you know what the Bible says about certain subjects. I want to make sure you know what the Bible says about salvation. Not what the pastor says, not what the Sunday school teacher says, but I want you to know what the Bible says about salvation. I want you to know what the Bible says about the virgin birth. Did you know you need to know what the Bible teaches about the fact that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin? He is not just a good man. He was not just a prophet. He is the Son of God. He was mirac it was miraculous in his birth. You need to know about the deity of Christ, that Jesus is God. You need to know what the Bible says about the blood atonement. The fact that only the blood of Jesus can cleanse you from sin. Nothing else can, nothing else will, only the blood. But you need to know what the Bible says. You need to make sure you know what the Bible says about the Trinity. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Those three are one and one in three. You need to know what the Bible teaches about that. You say, well, what does it matter? Why do these doctrines matter? Because if you don't know the foundation, you're going to believe a lie. If you don't know the truth, you can be easily led astray and you can be carried about by every wind of doctrine. What does the Bible say about heaven and hell? And what does the Bible say about creation? What does the Bible say about marriage? And what does the Bible say about family? And what does the Bible say about church? What does the Bible teach about the second coming of Christ? You and I, we need to know what the Bible says and believe it and stand on the truth. Number one, having your loins girt about with truth requires standing on the truth. Number two, it requires being secured to the truth. That word gird in verse number 14, it means to fasten or to secure. You see... I want to be tied or secured to the truth, and I want the truth to be secured to me. I, I, want, I want to hang on to this truth with everything I've got. I don't want to just believe it while I'm in my 40s, and then when I get to be in my 50s, then I throw it out the window. I don't want to just believe it while my kids are in the house, and then when my kids are, are gone, then I throw it out the window. I don't want to just believe it because I'm a pastor or just because I'm a preacher. I want to believe it because it's true. And by the way, this is the truth. This is the word of God and you can depend upon it. God's word is true. We must be secured. You don't need to be secured to a political figure. You don't need to be secured to a preacher. You don't need to be secured to a pastor. You don't need to be secured to a teacher. You don't need to be secured to a TV personality or a, an internet sensation. But you and I better be secured to the Word of God. 
We must be secure to the Bible. Number one, standing on the truth. Number two, being secured to the truth. Number three, we must be surrounded by the truth. Notice in verse 14, it says, having your loins girt about. That word about, it means all around. You know, one of my fears is, and I thank the Lord for, we have our, our live streaming. I thank the Lord for our radio ministry. I thank the Lord for our website and Facebook and all those things. I'm thankful for uh, technology. We can call each other. We can text each other. We can do all those, th email. But you know, one of my fears is that you will only be under and around the truth for an hour on Sunday. And the rest of the week, you'll be bombarded by the lies of the devil. Can I tell you, one hour a week is not going to cut it. One hour of Bible preaching and, and Bible teaching a week is not going to keep you in the battle. You know why? Because what you listen to and who you listen to all week is eventually going to determine and affect what you believe. We must be surrounded by the truth. We ought to be surrounded with Bible reading every day. We ought to be surrounded with preaching and teaching and singing and Christian friends. And we ought to be surrounded by uh, the gospel and be surrounded by the scripture and be surrounded by the truth, not just on Sundays, but we must fill our minds with the truth. We should fill our lives with the truth. That's why you can't have a diet of Hollywood and you can't have a diet of rock and roll and you can't have a, a diet and a, and, a, and a constant intake of all the sin and all the wickedness of the world and then be able to fight the battle. It won't work. You've got to be surrounded by the truth. I think you ought to surround yourself with people who tell the truth. I understand you can't determine who you work alongside of at the job. I understand that. But the people you spend time with and the people that you associate with and the people uh, that are your friends and the people that you get together with, you ought to surround yourself with people who tell the truth. If you spend time with people who are always lying to the boss and people that are always lying to their spouse and always lying to their kids, and always lying to co-workers, and always lying to everybody, eventually you're going to think that's okay. And you're going to be inundated with lies, and eventually you're going to think that's what I can do too. I want to tell you, I believe we ought to be surrounded by the truth. Number four, I believe we ought to speak the truth. The Bible tells us that God hates lying. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Ephesians 4, would you look back a, a few, uh, maybe one page over. Ephesians 4, verse number 15, the Bible says, but speaking the truth in what? In love. I used this example with Brother Watts in the early service. I said, now, the truth is, I could have blasted Brother Watts. Brother Watts, are you crazy? Have you lost your mind? Don't you know anything? That's the dumbest thing I've heard. I, I could have done that. And that would have been true, but it certainly would not have been speaking the truth 
in love. Did you know God wants us to speak the truth, but God also wants us to speak the truth in love? Did you know you can say the right thing and say it in the wrong way? And I want to tell you, God hates lying. Is that a true statement? You better believe it. God hates lying. But what does God put in the list even before lying lips? In Proverbs 6, these six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination. Number one is a what? Proud look. Did you know sometimes we are so proud of the fact that we know the truth that we think we're better than everybody else? I want to tell you, friend, if it were not for the grace of God, we would be believing the lies of the devil also. But we must speak the truth in love. God hates lying, but also God hates pride. And may God help us to speak the truth. Yes, speak the truth. But you got to speak it in love. The Bible tells us in John chapter 1 that the Word, Jesus Christ, He was made flesh. And He dwelt among us and we beheld, we saw His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Did you know this week it'll help your marriage if you'll speak the truth in love? Did you know it'll help your children if you'll speak the truth in love? Did you know it'll help your coworkers if you'll speak the truth in love? Say, well, I just think they need to hear it, and you know, if that's the way they want to do it, that's their problem. Well, you could have that attitude, but that's probably not going to get you very far. I think we ought to have truth spoken in love not only in our words, but in our witness. Did you know people need to know the truth so that they can go to heaven? People need to know what the Bible says about how they can escape the judgment and the wrath of God and how they can go to heaven. And yes, you can. You can get in their faces. And Brother Greg, you know, I could stand here and I could tell people how terrible and how wicked they are. And by the way, sometimes we need to just tell it like it is. I understand that. But you know, also, I think there needs to be somewhere, I think there needs to be some compassion. I think I remember that in the ministry of Jesus, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Jesus was full of compassion. He was full of grace and truth. And may we have grace and truth in our witness as we speak to people about Christ. Lastly, how do we have our loins girt about with truth? Well, we serve in truth. The Bible says in John chapter 4, it says, They that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Now, I hope your only worship is not Sunday morning because you and I need to worship God every day. You ought to spend time every day worshiping God. Uh, uh, telling him that you love him and, and telling him how great he is and thanking him and praising him and adoring him. There ought to be a sweet time that you spend with God every day worshiping him. But when you worship him, you must worship him in your spirit and in truth. You can't, you can't and you don't get to decide how you're going to worship God. I don't get to decide how I'm going to worship God. He's already told us how to worship him. Remember in the Old Testament, the two sons of the priest? The Bible says that they offered strange fire before the Lord. They didn't do it the way God said to do it. They said, we've got an idea. We've got something better. We know, we know better than God, and we'll just offer this strange fire to God. And the Bible tells us that God killed them 
because they were not worshiping in truth. They were worshiping their own way. May we worship God in spirit and in truth. May we serve God in truth in our worship. But then one more verse, if you'll turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 12. As we serve God in truth, may we also serve Him with all of our heart. May we put our heart and our soul and all we have into serving God. Samuel wrote to the people in 1 Samuel 12, verse 23, he said, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things He hath done for you. Can I tell you this week, as we get our, our loins girt about with truth, let's serve God in truth. Let's serve God from our heart. Let's serve God with everything we have. Let's not serve Him because we have to. Let's serve Him because we get to. Let's serve Him not because someone told us we have to, but may we serve Him because we love Him. And for all the great things that He has done for us. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.